0: Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a morning meeting of the Jim Nill Appreciation Society, otherwise known as the Stargazing Podcast. It's Again, we're get, getting the band together over coffee today and cross-continental. I've got Uri and I've got Mark with me. Hello, gentlemen. How are you?
2: Doing well. I'm doing just perfect. Thanks for asking.
1: My pleasure. Now, none of us are doing quite as well as Rupe Hintz is doing as of this morning. Of course, the big news is in stars land is Jim Mill has worked his magic again. I guess I guess I think he has. We're, we'll take it to the panel and we'll see if if my opinion is right. Um so hence Hintz, hence's extension, obviously we're going to talk a lot about that. Uh, we're going to talk about hence's running mate Jason Robertson who I think might have scored a goal while I've been talking. And it's weird because the Stars don't play until this evening, but uh, he's figured it out. Um and then we'll just talk a little bit about the season in general. We had, you know, we talked uh, the last time around about kind of a show me week. Um, coming out of Thanksgiving, and the stars showed us some things, good and bad, and we'll assess where they stand. and And I think that's a good, that's a healthy dose of of Dallas content for this fine morning. So I, I want to start by saying, you know, as of right now, the combined value, the combined rate that Dallas is paying their number one center, and and number one right winger is a shade under ten million dollars. So it's or sorry, shade over ten million. Apologies. It's and obviously, hence his extension is going to kick in. But can we take on, on a scale of one to ten, gentlemen? One being you know what you'd see out of Edmonton. Ten being excellence. How would you rate Jim Nil at this exact moment? And we'll we'll start with you, Mark.
0: Well, he's usually running about at eight in my book, and right now he's running about eleven.
2: Yeah, I, I, that's. Totally fair. Your eye. What are your thoughts? Where do, where do you see it? I mean, I was about to say eight because I mean, but just for this off season, and let's count the hints extension as a sort of sort of extended off season, if you will. I mean, this is just straight ten out of my books. I mean, I really couldn't like see any better move that he could make given the cap situation that they are currently in and they will be in like for the couple of years more to come.
1: Yeah, and just just to get the numbers out there in case uh, in case some of our listeners haven't seen it yet. So yesterday, uh, Dallas announced a, an eight-year, sixty-seven point six million dollar extension for Hens, which starting next season will put his value at eight point four five million against the cap, and um, you know gets it done before the off season, gets it done, you know, kind of that first RFA. It just Gets it done, I think, is is the way to put it. And I believe that it was Assad walk, talking about the deal kind of summed up. Anytime you can extend a, you know, a six-one number one center that can score 40 goals and be in the Selkie conversation, uh, you may you, you kind of have to do it. And if you can get it done for under nine million dollars, that's just that's that's like altering the difficulty settings in a video game because you're frustrated levels of competence. So a fantastic deal. I I, I am um, you know, I, I, that it's just another, oof, he's, he manages his cap. My friends, he manages his cap. I, I would personally put him at around, you know, around a nine, nine and a half. The, the only detraction being they kind of have a goalie stuck in the AHL right now because of the cap, but, um, it's just a great deal for a key piece. And where I want to start is, is just in terms of, in terms of the AAV, like, I think we can all agree there was more money out there if Hintz had really wanted to make a a thing of it, right?
0: Yeah, I would think so. I mean, he's he's right in his prime age. He's performing. His numbers are probably bumped because he's playing on one of the best lines in the NHL. So yeah, I mean, this is this is Hintz, uh, This is hints giving a little bit of a hometown discount. And and I think Miro does the same thing. And you know the, the conversation always comes down to our, our hometown discounts, something that you want to do because it's, there's value in winning. And and, and I think maybe that the, you know fins being fins, they recognize that they're in a pretty good situation here, and let's roll with it.
2: And also, like to you imagine the situation that Rupa Hins is in. The Jim Neal has like explained himself in the Saad's article, and actually I like uh, literally predicted the the AAV because of the the internal ceiling that Miro Heiskanen's contract actually is. So even though Hintz is definitely worth much more than eight point four five uh, AAV, I think given his finish and uh, given somehow that Miro miraculously only earns uh, the same as hints will be right now I mean I literally couldn't see him making more than Mira Hayes cannon so that's why I I thought that that would be the ceiling and it actually was I mean the I mean the best comparable to hints probably would be Matthew Barzal in my books because like they were drafted in the same year, they both signed a three-year uh, bridge deal, and now they are both signed like for eight more years. And if you look at Barzal, he's signed at 9.15, I think, and that's signing after he had a down season. So if you like take all these facts into the consideration, that haynes is definitely underpaid and probably will be underpaid for probably five or six years to come if, he's, if he holds up injury-wise because that's like probably the one slight worry I have that he hasn't had a full season of 82 games because of the style he plays, because of how big he is and he's capable of playing through injuries, yeah, but uh, I mean, maybe the contract will not look that great in year seven, in year eight, but who cares right now? I mean, literally who cares about year seven, yeah? Stars yeah.
1: And, and I think as well, it's also looking at his current age. Like it may not look as good in year seven and he will be in, but it's, it's not like we're talking about a player that's signing his big deal at the age of 28. And by year seven, you know, he's going to be 38, 39 years. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it, and that's, it's also the way that NHL value works, right? Like if he stays, the, you know, it's eight year deal, right? If he stays roughly the guy he is right now for five years, you're thrilled. As a stars fan, right? If yeah, he gets better, even better, realistically, like you can even build in some decline. Like it's, it's just it, the other piece that I wanted to talk about is also there's, there's been some stuff floating around that we may finally see the cap going up and, and you talked about, you know, him as this deal progresses, would likely continue to be underpaid. That looks he's even more underpaid if we come in at sort of the top end of the ranges we're seeing. and if, if the if the salary cap all of a sudden goes from you know 80 it's what 81 million right now, something like that, if, it, if it's suddenly an 86 million dollar cap, then we're we're progressing out of you know under underrated territory and into put your hamburglar mask on, rob the bank outright theft territory.
2: And you made a good point about the five years. Like the contract will be good, at, I think, at least for five years more to come. And if you think about it, like the, this, the next five years, maybe starting next season, maybe even this one, who knows, are really the true. Contention window for the stars actually because I mean they will have those cheap contracts of Wyatt Johnston of Maverick Bork even Logan Stankoven And uh, and maybe even Thomas Harley or some of the young players and you definitely need that like to win a Stanley Cup because like This is like the main goal right why are we even talking about stars because we hope for them to win a cup in our lifetime once again yeah or or maybe twice more who knows and this <laughs> is like, like well, shoot for the moon right <laughs> yeah exactly but this is this is what they need i mean they need those cheap contracts to be factored in and who better to have cheap contracts than like young potential stars like basically what chicago did in in 2010 with kane and taves right
0: yeah although i would argue that maybe they overpaid there but
2: yeah I, I, you're exactly right um, yeah i mean and, but and, 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 they 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 won their they won their first cup. I mean, when they were
1: at Yeah, the, I mean I' don't, yeah, they won yeah. two more after that, right? So to a certain degree you can look at the Kane and Taves deal and think I think they would probably make those deals, even throwing Brent Seabrook onto the, the trash fire as well. But I think you would make you if you're Chicago, I think you'd make those deals ten times out of ten if it got you three cups. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it, it, you know the, the other side of the argument is that uh, is is that winning the cup takes a certain amount of luck in there, and and uh, it worked for Chicago, and it can absolutely kill a GM's career if if he pays the money and doesn't get what he doesn't get the cup at the end of it, and and you know Chicago just kind of moved things around and moved things around until absolutely the whole house of cards fell in on him. Um, And 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 that's that's not really what we're
1: seeing. We're seeing Pittsburgh do the same thing right now, aren't
0: we? Right. But that's not what Jim Neal does. Jim Neal. Jim Neal has this set up where he likes where he's at for the next eight years.
1: I mean, that's the thing, right, is we've gone from what would you say, Mark, uh, just to to, on your point, let's go two years back. Right. What would you say two years ago, the core of this team was or who the
0: core is? I, I mean, I, I think I actually said it at the time. There, there, there was a definite changing the guard where there was there was the one season where yeah, you have you have the contracts of Ben, you have Sagan, you have Radulov, you have Bishop, you have all of these old old timers, and there was this big push to let's take a run at the Cup because you know after this year, those guys are pretty much on, and we're going to have to support this team with Haston and, and Hints. And, uh, and the younger players, and that is exactly what happened. And and I think Jim Neal has this set up, and, and and maybe it's particular to the Dallas market, where you, you in essence can't afford to have, you, you can't afford to be really, really crappy. Because yeah. if you do that, you're going to lose your fan, your your fan your base is going to spend all their time watching the Cowboys and the Mavericks or whoever. And, and the stars are going to be even more off the front page than they currently are. And so let's at least make the playoffs every year. And then if we do things right and, and, and set things up like I think the team is set up right now, you still have that window to be cup contenders, which is what you're looking for. Thinking and also, about
1: the Stars roster, right? This deal gives them, under long-term contract, right, or long, long enough term contract, but they've got a, a... And we'll get to this in a minute. They've got an MVP candidate on the wing. They've got a bona fide, legitimate number one center in the NHL. Not one of those squint your eyes, tilt your head centers, but, but the real deal number one center. They've got a number one defenseman, and they've got a number one goaltender, right? And those players are... You know 23 26 23 and 23 years of age so you know talking about cores right like there's there's they've transitioned we're we're not the the jamie ben tyler sagan the era dallas stars any longer
2: yeah and this is i mean from the outside media not the dallas one i mean this has been like one of the most underrated like smoothest transitions from one core to another really because i mean as you said mark i mean like two or three years ago we were like at least i felt that they were pushing it with the guys like ben Sagin, rachel bishop i mean they had their chance in 2019 and 2020 was really weird year and the bubble round was pretty 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 weird i mean who knows if they would be able to do it with, without being in a bubble actually but uh, this has definitely like this has the feel like to being true contender for at least a couple of more years, maybe even more, like because the amount of talent that they actually managed to like accommodate under under the cap and they will be able to accommodate also thanks to Hinz extension. As I said, with the young guys of Stanko and Bork, uh, let's say Johnston and, and and even Tidal Andreas. I mean, this has really been one of the smoothest transitions I've ever seen from one core to another without missing the beat, like without going through the retool or, or rebuild phase. And this that is, that's a great thing for a market in Dallas.
1: And there's that, and it's also a transition that's giving them a chance to reload further, right? You've got... So next season... And, and there is some concern right what does what does joe pavelski's next contract look like because you know this the hints extension but like outside of joe pavelski no real huge questions next year they'll get some space back with hudobin's deal expiring but then things get interesting right you've got at the end of the 24 25 season you've got nine and a half million of jamie ben coming off the books you're once you've got 3.2 of Foxa coming off the books right you you've got Things lined up so that even though we've seen big money extension, you're you're even within three years after this one of the Tyler Sagan deal, right? So even though we've now seen pretty hefty financial commitments made to a number of players – it's it's a situation where, as as always seems to be the case with Jim Nell, just about the time, you know, so so just taking one example, right? Wyatt Johnson will be a restricted free agent in 2025, 26, right? So okay, let's say he keeps, you know, keeps progressing, turns out to be everything they want. Oh no, what are they gonna do for for the money? Well, guess what? That's the year that Jamie Benn's contract expires, and that's the year that Fox's contract expires, and Lindell and Suter right so all of a sudden even factoring out the fact that the cap's going to increase and and by the way Ottinger's RFA the same year all of a sudden I'm much less worried about what might happen with um with a potential Wyatt Johnson extension because of those other deals expiring right same th- same thing with Robertson 26 27 well that's the last year of the Sagan deal right so this team is set up it It has transitioned from an old core. It's set up with a new core, and there's even flexibility to keep adding you know whoever the twenty twenty seven version of Mason Marchmont is,
2: yeah, to be precise, I mean, the, the Robertson deal is not the exact year as the second year uh, second ends one yeah. year later, but there is Marchmont deal that is actually up when Robertson is out. So that like those four and a half million that Marchmont actually makes will go straight into Jason Robertson bank account,
1: yeah, just just for the check, right?
2: And that's what I like about Jim Mills. Actually, he's gonna be the best at the cap layering and the layering of contracts. I said it even before in, in this pod. Like the, the the year when Robertson needs a new deal, there is a Marchman deal coming up, and you said it like with Suter and that's that's a great thing. I mean, and also the cap will be cap will be like probably maybe five, maybe even 10 million more, yeah. and there will be Stankoven who will be needing the deal at the same time. As Jason Robertson, so we we might be pretty sure that he will be getting a bridge deal at that point. But I think we are getting way too ahead of ourselves right now. Yeah.
1: Even even under the best case in terms of player development, there is going to be you know it's 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 there's going to be room for Dallas to do what they want to do.
2: Yeah, I mean, and let's just like maybe skip the rose glasses a little bit. I mean, the contenders usually don't have too many bad contracts on their books. I mean, look at the Colorado last year uh right now there are still like bad contracts like bad value contracts in in the system like literally the sl indel contract is not a good one and uh, ryan Suter's one so faxa even hudobin like this year they have probably like overpaid for these guys and there are still like room to improvement so i'm definitely curious about jim Neal's maybe next off season maybe if he tries to like unload faxas deal and maybe even tries to move or maybe I don't know, this might be just my thing about possibly buying out Ryan Suter because I mean he was good last season and as our friend David Castillo wrote, I mean, he's definitely like moving into the two old for for this game type of career. And that's why I like wonder about him as well. Like but uh, as I said, like maybe for next year, maybe maybe the year after, they will be contenders because if Jim Neal doesn't make any like, rash decision in signing like, rash UFA in the summer, they won't have a bad contract. And that's a, that's a key to win a Stanley Cup, actually, in a salary cup league.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and even something you know, with the renaissance of, of Ben this year and, and Sagan, the, those contracts don't look nearly as bad right now as they did six months ago. And really, I think I, I think maybe the whole league, but Dallas in particular, is starting slowly to learn the lesson that you don't invest heavily for long term in in contracts that are going to age poorly. And I wouldn't be surprised if you if you don't start seeing more contracts come through a bunch of different teams like Joe Pavelski's, where it's it's year to year, you know, pay per prefer- for. For performance, if if you're still if you're still interested in playing and and you're still valuable to the to the team, you're going to get a one year deal that's going to pay you something that that reflects what you're worth, and and so that's that's how you see see somebody like Corey Perry sticking around in the league as well. He's not the guy he used to be, but people find value in him and they pay him accordingly.
1: I think that's a good way to put it. They find value in them and they pay them accordingly.
2: I mean, they were forced to do it, like because of the flat cap. I mean, they really couldn't do anything else. Like, look at the cap friend. Like, 19 teams are over the 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 cap space because of the LTIR, and they really there is there isn't just too much money to, to move around. And if you can like see the things that are happening, the trends that are actually evolving, that gone are the days of the third line center making three three million or four millions. like yeah. like, Nick, like Nick Bonino well Dallas still have one yeah like the, the, they have uh, Radek faxa which is, who is basically a four line center making him over three million but these are the type of deals that actually uh, evaporated and you see like Paul Stasny making 1.5 and these are basically as you said the type of deals that we might see in the future maybe uh, maybe some maybe maybe something to look to like during the free agency next uh, next summer like there will be some high Highly interesting free agents like Patrick Kane or, or somebody like that. So, so I'm really interested of in what type of deal he might actually sign and, and with whom. So that will be also a fascinating thing to watch.
0: Yeah, I, I, think, I think the thing that's going to fascinate me for the rest of the year is how we end up playing and, and taking a look at people at that uh, second line right wing position which was kind of Gurionov's, and now we moved Blumel in there. And I'm guessing that uh, that they would have tried something else with with Carlstrom uh, up. You know, Fax is up there now. We're trying Sagan on the wing. We're trying a bunch of different ways to plug that hole. And I think if we don't end up plugging that hole by the time we're rolling right. around, Trade deadline that we probably pick up somebody who's on an expiring contract uh, who who has some skill that we can then afford for you know the last couple months of the season. But I I think that's really the only thing left here for Jim Neal to worry about as far as this uh, as far as this season.
1: Yeah, it's what can they do, right? What can they do at the deadline? And an X factor there as well is what if you know what if we're in a world where Hudobin sure it's at the AHL level, but what if he's playing really well? And what if Dallas is in a position where they've got Ottinger, they've got a you know successful Scott Wedgewood, and they've got a suddenly tradable Anton Hudobin? That's not you know when we start talking about the way that contracts prorate over the course of a season, they that could equate into some deadline space.
0: Yeah, and, and to tell you the truth, Dovin is playing really well. He's from the last four or five games. He's looked NHL quality. Um, he's he's moving with the puck. He's, he's not giving up rebounds. He's he's kind of the Adobe that we're used to.
2: And also, like they have like maybe I currently to cap that they have like three point five million of uh, cap space like for the deadline. So that's that's pretty okay. And if they like maybe package Adobe like in a deal so they can. They can be a players. I mean, the question is if they should be, because in my in my eyes, I think the offense or the forward lines are in much better shape than the defense. Actually, I mean, yeah, if, that's if, if if I were to like add some player, I would definitely look for right shot D, somebody like Artem Zup from Ottawa, because. Uh, yes we or we, we talk about the right wing situation and there's a there's a spoil, there's an opening but I really f- feel that the defense has become more leaky and that's probably a thing to i mean keep a close close eye on. Because next year, you might see Logan Stankoven on that second-line right wing. You might see Wyatt Johnston, like, maybe elevated higher into the lineup. There are players, Marvick, work. I mean, there's also guys like, as you said, Karlstrom or, or even or even guys like Studenich or Blumel, who, who can be maybe not in the second-line position, but they can fill up those uh, empty spaces on, on, on the third and the fourth line. But on the defense, I mean, all of the guys who are right now on the defense are signed... Also through the next season. I mean, with the exception of Joel Hanley, who probably won't be that that hard to sign for another season. But uh, looking at the defense, I mean, I think what it really lacks is somebody, somebody steady, somebody who actually can defend uh, at, at, at at the right at the right side. And I mean, if you just swap Hakampa with with Artem Zup, I mean, you you then you have like really great like combination of six guys who can who can move the puck who can defend and possibly like if i were to spend assets on this traded line, i would definitely like do it in mind that i need to get this rental if it's rental signed also for the next season so i wouldn't i wouldn't want to pay like another another pick like they only have second round pick uh from the first three rounds and i wouldn't like to spend that second round pick this year i mean I said it before. The, I see this year as a traditional year. I'm really happy that they did what they did, but uh, like so far this season, they are looking good. But I will just maybe if they stand pat, I will be okay with it. And if they do something, I would rather them to bolster their 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 decor rather than for, forward core. I mean, it may be this may be like out of the common thinking of the, of the stars fans, but that's really what I see it right now.
1: I will yeah, say I this mean, is a very quick aside. A, a world in which Dallas picks up Artem Zoop, the people who hate the way that I pronounce names will lose their minds if there is a Rupe <laughs> and a Zoop on the team. <laughs> but no, and I think you hit a really... Sorry, Mark, you were, you were chiming in with something before I, I hit but, you with the nonsense, so please go no, ahead. No, I,
0: I, I was just going to say that one of, one of the things that, that, uh, that has, has been a blessing but also slightly a curse is that the Stars have just been really healthy and, and so we haven't had a chance to take a look at different people in different positions. You know, when was the last time we had to call a defender up from, from Cedar Park? And so there, there's, there's guys down in Cedar Park who are doing things that are, that are making them better. But we never see them because that top seven is, is just rock solid. And and you know, even at the forward at the forward position, we have one slot that we can rotate guys in to take a look, see how they're performing at the NHL level.
1: Yeah. And, and to kind of combining your both, both of your points that gets in, in particularly important on the defense where, you know, we just went through the, the whole exercise talking about kind of the young core and, and the way that Jim Nell has, has retooled the stars. And a lot of that is on the forward side. The defensive side is where. It's a little bit dicier, right? There's there's Nils Lundqvist and there's Miro Heiskanen and that's the list of but your, we haven't you know, I guess is 28.
0: We haven't even mentioned Thomas Harley which which you know a year ago we would have been all over why isn't Harley in the NHL.
1: Which and and you know as this team continues to move forward, right? to in a potential deadline deal or to free up space like there's a world in which at least in the short term financially, like this team needs him to be here and be a player. And the health thing bizarrely is, is kind of raising anxiety there. Cause again, we, we haven't had a look at him yet at the NHL yeah, level.
0: season. Exactly. And, it, and it's been kind of a weird, weird year at the AHL level because they're asking him to concentrate on his defense. And so he's not, he's not doing the things that you would consider to be Thomas Harley's top end skill set. They're trying to get him to fill in all of the details so that he's a more complete player once he gets back to the NHL. And so the numbers that you see coming out of the AHL don't necessarily reflect him as a complete player.
1: Well and you mentioned this during our last podcast, I believe, and with with Thomas Harley, it's a lot like Ty Delandria last season. You you need to as a fan ignore in, in a lot of ways, you need to ignore the box score because he is to your point, working on very specific things for the longer term purpose of being an effective NHL player, then he is necessarily focused on the AHL performance. And yes, obviously and and you want him to do both, but Take take all of his counting stats with a grain of salt, because as you said, he has some specific growth areas as a player that are being deliberately targeted that don't necessarily line up in a way that's going to pop out of an AHL box score.
2: Yeah, that's exactly. Exactly. It, exactly. Like he, he hasn't even been playing like power play, right? He was focusing on penalty kill and everything uh, connected with that, like getting the puck out of the zone with like with, with, with on his stick and everything. So these are the facets of the game he actually needs on the NHL level and he wasn't really good at it. So in order for him to become a like, full-time NHL player, he needs to work at it. And this is basically the same situation that Tidal Tidal Andrea has been last year totally, and it, even even the, the time progresses. Like Tidal Andrea was drafted one year before, and he he made or he has become the full time manager probably one year before the Harley will become. And right. I think that's t- totally on plan. And I'm actually really happy for him because what I heard and what I read, he's actually been doing a really good job for for, for the Texas Stars there. And as yeah,
1: well, exactly. like, uh, we just we just saw Jim Nill give a you know eight million dollar plus contract to a guy that lived through the AHL to NHL, not always smooth transition. I mean, how many times did we pull our hair out bemoaning, you know, hints going up and down, right? Like the, this is an organization. We, we don't always have to like it. And I'm not saying they're always right, but this is an organization that has a coherent plan, right?
0: Yeah. And, the and, season and, season. You know, well, and, and you kind of go, the, the statement is always, you find your your you find your, your niche that gets you into the NHL and then you perform that. And I think we have a bunch of guys who are down at the AHL level who are set up to fill different niches at the NHL level. And and we just haven't seen them yet. And and so that that's one reason maybe why I'm a little – I don't know that Nils' long-term plans uh, include bringing in contracts of other NHLers, why, why we may not explore the free agency market, because – we, we, you know, I, I kind of view that as if we do that, that's because we failed to develop one of our prospects. And we have enough prospects down there with skills and, and, and the ability that, that one of them should fill that role.
2: Yeah, and one thing that's really keep an eye on that, all the six Ds that are actually playing, like in top six, uh, they will be signed next year. And, and then Thomas Harry comes into picture and you'd probably don't want to see him like being the seventh defenseman next year. You want him to see like to play, so like I would wonder, like what are the defensive line next year? Who comes out? Like who is the odd man out? Because there, there's supposed to be one man or one player from that D group that won't be playing in the top six minutes, right? Uh, like next year, so who will that be? That, that that's the question, really. Because Haru needs to replace somebody, and all of the six guys are signed through the next season, so there, will, there will be some movement definitely. And it's
1: the nice thing though is is getting a little bit bigger picture view. Like this is all in a very. A, a, a place of of high optimism, right? So, as we record this podcast this morning, Dallas is in third is in third place in the Western Conference um behind you know, two points back of Seattle, improbably, and less improbably um, the Vegas Golden Knights. and it's it's been a good season so far. It continues to be a good season. They had, you know, despite dropping a pair one in overtime to Colorado and another to Winnipeg, right? they the games in hand are starting to become an issue, but they're technically still, Atop the Western Conference or sorry, the Central Division, albeit in second place as I skim it in terms of points percentage. So realistically, right, they've got two games ahead of Winnipeg, three games ahead of Colorado. So it's probably, you know, they're, they're in the mix. And, and this is this is a good spot for this team to be right now. It's there's just a lot going well.
0: Yeah, the, the team's grinding out points. They're winning the games that they should win. They're at least somewhat competitive in the games that are going to be that, that should be competitive. So this is you know this is the long regular NHL season, and the goal is to come out of there with a comprehensive plan and and a, a bit healthy. And we're we're rolling four lines, so we aren't overburdening anyone, and we're in a position now after Thanksgiving we should make the playoffs.
1: And I was going to say the the result that really stood out to me over the holidays that, that I wanted to bring up at least was I was impressed with the, the St. Louis game because there were elements of the, the back-to-back, you know, the, the, there were elements of the Winnipeg and Colorado games that, that kind of showed you some of the ground. I would say that, that the stars still need to make up when you're kind of comparing them to the, the capital E elite teams in the league. Right. And there were a couple of tough results in there and, and, Some things didn't go, you know, at one point, I think anybody, the, the non-Jason Robertson scorers on the team were, were struggling mightily and, you know, coming in against a blues team that has been streaky, but has been on the good side of that lately to get a a win with your backup, you know, kind of unexpectedly needing your backup goaltender to get a win, a pretty authoritative, authoritative win against St. Louis was, I thought a real statement of intent that, you know, no, this, this team isn't necessarily going to, go out and blow everybody's doors off, right? Like it's not, this isn't a team that, that's gonna be perfect in that regard. But one of the things as, as a, an upper tier team in the NHL that you can't do is let bad times kind of fester, right? You can't, you can't get those big, you know, St. Louis, right? You can't get into a seven game slide. And so I thought that the Dallas response to a little bit of adversity, frankly, um, to get a win in St. Louis was, was really impressive to me.
0: Yeah and especially when you you know you not only have the wedgewood situation but you have you know St. Louis is a bit top heavy and, and and they also were able to put the clamps down on our top line and then you have have, have Ben and and the kids stepping up and just having probably their best game of the season together and and that's how you win. That's how you win in the regular season. You have contributions coming in from all these different lines, and you can't just say this is the one group of guys that we have to shut down, and then we'll win the game. Here, y'all, you know, hence hints, hints, Robertson and Pavelski were, were not the best line on the ice, and and Dallas
2: still had the best line on the ice. Yeah, that's what's think of beauty, right? But, I mean, to further your point, I mean. Not to get too much ahead of ourselves, but that's also how you win in playoffs. Because mm-hmm. yeah, in in playoffs, basically the top two lines cancel each other out, and that's and then there's a time for your depth guys like to 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 create something, and that's what really like encouraged me from that game that depth guys could have been or or, or were or were the difference actually against the Blues, which. Even though they are not like at their best, and models hate them, apparently, they still have good depth. I think they—they—I they, think I still think they are somehow underrated by the—at least by the analytics crowd.
1: And they were still playing a Dallas team that was likely a little bit tired. You know, there's there's some word that there's a, a part of why um uh, why Ottinger didn't get the start is there's there's an illness of some kind making its way through the locker room. So this is a team that had some excuses to come out and lay an egg, and being blunt as a stars fan right in seasons past this is a team that that might have done that and so well they you know but but instead they like you said they they didn't get a whole lot until that one (laughs) block shot breakaway at the end to keep robertson's point streak alive but the top line really wasn't the factor we're used to seeing it be and they still won comfortably and it's all you know, young, young guns plus Jamie Ben. And it's, it was a great game to watch. It was, it was a really affirming experience. And to your point, right. In the playoffs, the first thing you're going to do is circle the, the hints line and say, we're going to take these guys out of it and see if they can beat us. Well, results like this one are the Dallas Stars starting to suggest like, Hey, maybe we're not that simple to defend against, you know, maybe you can't beat us like that. And that's going to lead to, you know, different tactics and potentially more room for the hints line to, to excel.
2: Exactly. I mean, that's why I like, like, my last point could be like, I. that's why I like Pete DeBoer's style more than Rick Bounce because uh, Pete rolls all four lines almost equally. I mean, it's crazy. Like, if you look at the ice time and average ice time, and you have seen that, uh, like, Winnipeg steamrolled the apps like 5 0. And the, the way Rick Rick Bounce actually played the team, like, he put his checking line against the McKinnon's one. And I mean, he could be great, like at the let's say preparing strateg- strategically against one opponent, but during the course of regular season and also like to have like continuous playoff success. I mean, this is the way, like that's actually what Pete DeBoer does, like to have all four lines rolling and to not be afraid to put anybody out there against a- against anybody really. And that's why I like I o- I already said it in September. Like, I love how they are preaching the process. In, at, at least in the early stages of the season, and the process is really what could bring them silver at the end of the point.
1: Well, and especially when you make look at the the makeup of of their top lines and right, and and having guys with with some of the injury history of Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn, and needing them to be um, important to your team it is much easier as, and I think we're, I think we're seeing it. We are, we are seeing proof right now. Right. But it's, it's much easier for Jamie Ben to resemble his old self when he's playing 13 minutes, you know, he played 1307 against St. Louis had a pair of assists. Right. So it's, it's much easier for him to be that guy when he doesn't go in every single night with the burden on his shoulders of, Hey, if you don't do this, nobody else is going to do this. So here's, you know, give us, give us 20 minutes, And we're, we're doomed if you can't right to be in a situation where everybody has that extra breathing room, even the top lines got that breathing room, right? That that's, I think that over the course of a season, the physical strain, the mental strain, right? All of it is going to be this, this team will be much better for the knowledge that like, Hey, I can afford to have a bad or an off night and the next guy up is going to help me. Whereas in years past it was, if I don't have a good night, we're toast. And it's, it's hard to, it's hard to play 82 games of if I don't win this for us, we're toast hockey. So I want to close with a question. And, and since I've got a pair of, uh, I've, I've got a, an expert prognosticator and I've got the guy who thinks Jamie then was only going to have one goal by Thanksgiving, uh, on the line. <laughs> so I want to get, uh, let's just say a divergence of thought processes. Will Jason Robertson still be on a point streak the next time we record our podcast?
2: I mean, do I have to really answer this because I don't want to jinx it? Oh, oh, we have you're we're we're putting you on record. (laughs) Because if I say what I think uh, might happen, (laughs) then it won't happen. You know how it works. So I'm saying he won't be. I'm saying his point streak ends not in Anaheim game, but the next the next one. All right. We got a hater, Mark.
0: I think he's gonna have one goal.
2: (laughs) It's his
1: goal to extend the point streak? Are you are you getting?
0: Oh, well, anything can happen against the Ducks. I, I mean, yeah. So the, the, Ducks, uh, the Ducks defense is a mess. The, it, it'll be fun to watch uh, their top line. But, uh, you know, that'll be all over by the time people listen to this. Um, I'm just saying one goal because the last time I said one goal, somebody went on a heater. So uh, yeah. I, I, I'm going with the program. I'm, I'm running with the lack of predicting ability. And, uh, and hopefully <laughs> that works.
2: Yeah I mean I mean I'm also with you like with the one more goal but it wouldn't be so like starzing if he actually wasn't able to produce anything against the worst defense in the NHL like, is, like it's, it's the it's
1: exactly the most stars thing to happen would be Dallas to win like 6 nothing against Anaheim and Robertson to get not like you know <laughs> yeah. Hint, Fox, Fox Hint has a pair. Velsky has a pair. Robertson, you know, gets gets like one of those third assist kind of frozen out situations where I he he's good. in line to get a second assist, but upon video replay, the puck tipped ticked off of um, you know ticked off of somebody in front of the net, and all of a sudden he sees the third assist.
0: Well, I, I've I've one last thought here. I, I'm I'm looking at the schedule, and there there is there is one game that I think everybody should circle right now, and that is on the 13th of December Dallas is in New Jersey on a back to back and they're going to be playing against the Lindy Ruff team that is just on fire and that's going to be some great hockey
1: would you say they're roughing it
0: they are they are they're not roughing it they are they are obliterating people
1: yeah, it'll be a couple. They've got you know, and they've got a divisional against Minnesota this week. Toronto always fun. Um, Ottawa, who got them earlier this year, hopefully they can get it back. Detroit is suddenly not bad again, so it's it's not a bad sleight of games.
0: Nope that 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 road trip that road trip starting out with Pittsburgh and then the Devils is is going to be
2: yep.
0: is that that's going to be a key stretch right there. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you know what? Let's do a point projection for this homestand. We have five games: Anaheim, Minnesota, Toronto, Ottawa, and Detroit. How many points do you think they will get during these five games?
1: Ooh, I'm I'm going to be bullish. I think they get I think they get seven points.
0: Yeah, I'm go- I was I was going I was going six six to seven. I I think I think Ottawa may have their number, and
2: Detroit's better than uh, than people think. Yeah, I'm going six as well. I think they win three and lose two during this homestand.
1: Well, all all I need is for one of those losses to be in overtime, and it gets to
2: seven. So there we go. <laughs> there, there we go.
0: And they and they they don't know how to win in overtime again this year. So yeah
2: they they are kings of they are kings of loser points right now. Yes, yeah, they are.
0: Last year, last year they couldn't lose in overtime, and now they're back to not being able to win in overtime.
1: Oh, Dallas. It just goes to show you should put a ton of stock into performance in one goal games. You should base your entire view of a team on how they do in one goal games. It's super safe and super predictable.
0: Well, as, as it turns out, you know, we've been completely wrong about all of our previous coaches who are, who are all good. Is there are going to be three coaches up for, for Coach of the Year, the Adams Award, and they're all going to be ex-Dallas Stars. <laughs> I <coaches>?
1: mean, <laughs> it's just something. And that's, that's that's before Vancouver hires Ken Hitchcock and goes on a, a miracle run to make the playoffs. Yep. Well, I think that's it. We've got Anaheim tonight. It'll be nice to see old friend John Klingberg, and, and hopefully things will um, continue running well for Dallas. They'll celebrate the Hints extension in style. Thank you both for joining me in your insight kt thank you for stitching this all together and um yeah we will please remember to download to like to do all the things share us on the socials hit us up if you have any questions you know you know the drill at this point and we will we'll talk to you next time